With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seated. If you have one of those bulletins, I encourage you to take it out. It's going to aid us in our time this morning as we uh, quickly walk through just an introduction to the book of Philemon. And we're going to unpack it for the next several weeks um, and uh, get familiar with it. It's amazing, amazing when Tim and I were walking through what was going to follow Easter and, and thinking through biblical confrontation and how do we handle conflict? Uh, and then, to, uh, which Tim did a marvelous job the last two weeks of walking through James chapter 4. And the cause of conflict is our sinful hearts. Uh, and that's how we would address that uh, in our own lives. And then how do we confront well others who would then, as we take the log out of our eye, and then we begin to take the speck out of someone else's eye. How do we begin to do that? And then Matthew 18 aids us and encourages us to walk through that. To find a book now where Paul... Uh, um, addresses a, a man named Philemon who was uh, going to host a church in his own home. Uh, and so we're, instead of having a gathering like this, we would come to this man's house, and uh, the church is gathering there. And um, much to be said about the book of Philemon. Um, it's the only book where Paul's writing that he addresses a particular person uh, as far as the entire letters addressed to this man named Philemon primarily uh, in, when, while Paul is in prison. Most of his other letters he's writing to the churches, and even though this is addressed as well to the church that is in your house, the predominant audience uh, along with that church that is in his house is the one who the, the house church itself meets in, and that's the house of Philemon. And so it's a little bit of unusual. Some things that are taking place in this book that we'll talk about next week uh, is that Paul, along with Timothy there in verse 1, is addressing Philemon who's a believer, uh, this is a fellow worker there, uh, Aphia and uh, Archippus, uh, fellow soldiers that are there in the church, and then, of course, the entire church as a whole. But he's addressing this to Philemon. And potentially here you have Philemon, who is a slave owner. He owns uh, a slave, particularly in this, this situation, where it addresses that, that uh, Paul is now sending back this slave named Onesimus back to Paul. There's a variety of things that can be difficult in unpacking this, and I said we'll unpack some of this next week, is that, if, if the Bible condemns slavery, if the Bible's against slavery, why didn't Paul just communicate that? And why is that the case? And are there various forms of slavery? And, and how does that look? And is the Bible opposed to all that? And we're going to address most of those topics next week uh, as we begin to look at um, this book and how it plays out and how even we as Christians could begin to uh, desire to change the culture. And how do we begin to do that in, that, in our discussion? But primarily this morning, we're going to uh, walk through the setting of well, how does Paul even begin to address this letter and what is in the, even the purpose of the letter as a whole. So in your notes, you're going to see the opening statement is the purpose of the letter is restoration and forgiveness. Now, what there's a lot of speculation to, well, why is Paul sending him back and why did, why did Onesimus leave and, and uh, what all took, has taken place? And the reality is we don't know all of those answers. Uh, we only we speculation and speculation at best. Here's what we know. The appearance is, is that while Onesimus left, he engages somehow with the Apostle Paul. We don't know exactly where and, and how this came about. It was Paul in Rome, and this is where this had taken place. Was he under house arrest and wasn't in Rome at the time? Uh, we don't know all those instances. But here's what we know. Paul uh, does eventually communicate with this young man named Onesimus. He's gloriously saved, and now he's sending him back. 
And this is where I want us to spend our time that in looking at this theme in this letter this morning is, is to really unpack that, to be able to understand uh, the motive behind the letter and for us to be able to see this. And, and um, in this, you're going to be, the Bible asks us, requires of us that we do difficult things. And this is the premise behind the book of Philemon uh, and the amazing letter that's being written here. And even though with all the questions that surround it, uh, the instructions that can be given to us that are extremely helpful, extremely practical, that the Christian life, though, is with much rejoicing and we should be glad always because ultimately we know we have a place in heaven that's where our name, our name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Ultimately, here's what we, we do know also. The Bible's promised us that if we were to live in Christ, we will be persecuted. And that we will have to endure. And even in God's, in Jesus' own statements in the Sermon on the Mount, he communicates this is a narrow road that is hard. And I don't say that to discourage people from coming to Christ. It's even harder apart from Christ. But this Christian walk isn't easy. This Christian walk is a difficult road. And yet it is one of rejoicing. It's one of thanksgiving. It's one of thankfulness. And it's one that we must, we must traverse. And so in this, this is the, Goal I want us to begin to see is that uh, this letter is going to begin speaking of an attitude of, of, of walking through restoration that will be favorable for restoration. And then we're going to begin looking at a character that would be favorable for restoration. But before I do, I want to be able to communicate two major themes before we just unpack these two primary looks that, that we're going to be thinking about. That's going to be unpacking the whole book as, a whole, as far as our introduction. I, want you, I don't want you to miss that Paul is sending Onesimus back to his slave owner. It's a hard thing. Is it not? We don't know the circumstances. We, we definitely know that Philemon's a believer, so he should be treating his slaves and however form that was at that particular time well and not embracing what the culture describes in that, that conversation. And we should be countercultural in how we would live. But regardless, Onesimus has ran away. Speculation says he'd ran away or at least wasn't with him. It wasn't under because he's communicating and potentially there. Paul says in verse 19, I write this with my own hand, I will repay it to say nothing of you owing me. And so he's going to, uh, in verse 18, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything. And so potentially the charge was that when Onesimus left, he might have left with resources that had belonged to Philemon. And so here's what the, the caution is. Paul is setting the stage for restoration and setting the stage for a potentially difficult conversation. And Onesimus can't run from that. He's going to walk this Christian road. We've got to face it. And for you and I, in our Christian walk, it can be difficult. And in a culture where here in the United States, there's a church in every corner, things get difficult, times get difficult. Hey, you know what it's easy to do? I'm just going to leave and go find another church. I'm just going to run. I'm going to go hide. But this is not what the, the Word of God's calling us to do. The Word of God's calling us to go back and restore relationships that have been broken. To do what's right. And that is... Countercultural for our Christianized America. That where consumerism bleeds in more than we understand and more than we realize. If I don't get it my way, if we don't have it like Burger King, then ultimately if I can't have it my way, I'm going to find a church that can have it my way. And the reality of the question that came from one of our, our, our small groups, where's Dale at in, in this room? Dale, Dale Cornett right there. I was, oftentimes we're talking, here's, here's one of the questions he posed, and he posed to me. Would we be as quick to leave our churches to go find another church if there wasn't a church on another corner? What if we were in a persecuted part of the world where there wasn't other believers we would know? 
And if we're that quick to be able to leave, then what does that say about our hearts? And about our commitment to Christ and our commitment to His body. So that'd be one. It's kind of an underlying theme that we're going to walk through the remainder of this book. This does tie in today's message, but not, not um, as far as we're going to pull out specifically in the text. And the second thing I want you to be able to see is this. Remember I told you this is the only letter that's addressed from the Apostle Paul to an individual during his, his imprisonment. All the other ones are addressed primarily and only to churches. And there's another lesson for us to be able to learn from that. How do you and I respond when things don't go the way we think they should go? For me, I'm going to speak for you. For me, it's circle the wagons, right? Sometimes it's push everybody out. I don't want them to see me hurt. I don't want them to see me walk through struggles. I don't want them seeing the difficulties that I'm experiencing. Maybe the doubts and the frustrations and the, the irritability that I may have with God. It might also express itself on my family and others. But I was challenged not too many years ago to be able to look at and say, try to find a place in the, in the New Testament where Paul's by himself intentionally. Not where he'd been deserted and where the people had left him, where Paul's not welcoming others to join him. Even in this letter, he says, I am Timothy, my brother. And then as you continue to see, as he, he sends in the end, uh, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, verse 23, uh, in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark and Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. Once again, he has all these people with him. Where's Paul at the time? Prison. Whether directly in prison or house arrest, we don't know, but ultimately he's in prison. And what is Paul doing? The premise of the letter is writing on someone else's behalf to try to restore relationships. You know the feeling I have about my own heart life, the feeling of your pastor or guest pastor for those of you who are visitors? Would that be my heart? Lord, once again, I circle the wagons and be self-centered and throw the most massive pity party you've ever experienced in your life. And yet that's not what we find from the Apostle Paul. Finding the means by, by the grace of God to be able to utilize his difficult circumstances, not to focus upon himself, but to utilize that potential time he had on his hands. I don't know exactly what prison was like for him, but the potential time he had on his hands be salt and light, to be a witness, to think of others. And to even think here, that even though Onesimus could be a tremendous asset to him, I'm going to send him back. And I'm going to leave it to you, Philemon. I want this relationship to be restored. And once restored, if you want to send him back to my aid and to the cause of Christ, God bless you, but I'm going to leave that to you. Because Why? More important than what, what Paul was doing and what was taking place in Paul's life, Paul had, was a servant that wanted to serve other people. What a lesson for us. And so that's two major underlying thoughts. This was we, with the next several weeks we walked through unpacking this, is that God calls us to do difficult things, restoring relationships. And then God's calling us as we restore those relationships, not to be only focused upon ourselves, but focused on helping others do the same. And is that not the call of the Christian life? Us being reconciled first to God in Christ Jesus, and then spending the rest of our lives, as much as God leaves us here, to help restore other people to the Lord Jesus Christ and to one another. And that's what we find here. The purpose of the letter is restoration and forgiveness. We're going to see it in two people. We're going to see it in Apostle Paul. We're going to see it in the book of uh, the person of Philemon. Let's look at Paul first. Paul, an attitude favorable for restoration. 
So the goal is restoration. The goal is forgiveness. Paul's not necessarily the one who's at fault in this, but Paul's going to begin to demonstrate what it looked like for us who are in desirous to be able to help other people be restored, whether that's us coming alongside of individuals so as we think through, as we walk through now, last week in Matthew 18, that ultimately there might be confrontations between the body of Christ. And you might be brought in at some point to be one of the witnesses, a two or three witnesses to be able to be brought in in the second phase of this restoration process. This, this thing called church discipline as we're designed to minister to one another. That two people can't get in the room and seem to eye to eye. And so the reality is, how do we aid in that process? And so you might be Apostle Paul in this. And so what was Paul's attitude in walking through an, uh, an, an environment and a relationship that could be favorable toward restoration? What was that attitude? Number one, he was a person who was thankful for the other party. Look at it in verse 4 and in verse 5. Paul says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of you, of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord and for all the saints. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. And the Bible com- com- commends that and the Bible commands that of us that we would be give thanksgiving always. We have thankful hearts. And so once again, don't, don't miss this. Where's Apostle Paul? Paul's in prison. It's not going well for him. And this is something that he knew coming into salvation. His salvation, call to salvation was, I'm going to show him by, through Ananias. I'm going to show Paul, his name was Saul at the time, how much he must suffer for my name's sake. As he was heading back to Jerusalem, as he was leaving the church of Ephesus, and, and his prophet showed up, and the prophet took off his belt and bound his, uh, Paul's belt and bound his hands. Agabus is the name of the prophet. And he says, man, this is what, a li- this is what lies in waiting for the man who, whose belt this is. Who's that? It was Paul. And he was going to go and he's going to suffer. And Paul begins to communicate even to those leaders and those elders in Ephesus. And he says, man, all I know is that God's calling me and, and that in that calling me for imprisonment and, and difficulty await me. But at the same time, Paul's thankful. And Paul's thankful for Philemon and the grace of God he's seeing at work in Philemon's life. And so whether you're the one who's walking through restoration or you're the one who's helping someone else be, see, walk through restoration, here's the question we need to ask. Are we helping them to be thankful and be thankful for the other party? Are we looking to aid them? And last week, I just want to point out some of the things that was, was helpful in their message from last week from, from Tim and his leadership, Pastor Tim and leadership here as he was walking through Matthew 18. He says, how to confront without sinning. Be careful about judging motives. Be careful to think the best of others. And this is exactly what Paul's doing. And man, I thank my God because I hear of your love and the faith that you have for the Lord Jesus Christ and for all the saints. So he's thinking the best of others. He's being careful how to deal with authority figures. Be careful when dealing with unbelieving family members. Be careful about timing. Be careful to confront in a God-centered way. Be careful to avoid gossip and slander. And be careful to follow the biblical steps of confrontation. And as you see this, Paul's walking through many of those. And one of those is, number two, to think the best of others. And only can he think best of him. There's good characters and characteristics and qualities that we'll see in just a minute that were evidenced in his life and the life of Philemon. But nonetheless, Paul's banking on him, his Christian walk, the Christian walk of Philemon to encourage this restoration. And so Paul's attitude is favorable for restoration because, number one, he was thankful for Philemon. He was thankful for the other party. Second, Paul's a person who was prayerful for the other party. How was Paul thanking him? In my prayers. There's another question for us. When we're going through difficulty, do we pray for our enemies? Jesus instructs us to. 
Pray for those who spitefully use you or mistreat you or revile you. Is that us? Is that your heart? Is that my? I, I can just tell you, sometimes that's my heart. Sometimes, many times, it's not. And so pray that God would help me to be a thankful person, have an attitude of thankfulness and an attitude of prayerfulness. He says, as often as I remember you in my prayers, I'm thankful for you. He's praying for Philemon. And third, attitude of favor for restoration. Paul's thankful, Paul's prayerful, and lastly, Paul's a person who is joyful of the other party. Verse 7, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love. Much joy and comfort from your love. We're framing situation. Our goal is to be restored. Our goal is to help others forgive. Our goal is to forgive or be forgiven. Our, the goal is in this, is we're looking to frame the other person, to think the best of the other person, not judge their modes, think the best things of the other person so that why? We can be restored. Not just to point out sin. Here's what you did wrong. Here's what you need to do. I, I, I'm believing that's not your attitude. That's not your heart. So how can we walk through this and navigate through this and the means by this, the attitude that I should bring to the table, that you should bring to the table, the attitude that Paul was bringing to the table, even though he wasn't directly involved, he was indirectly involved, was one of thankfulness, prayerfulness, and joyfulness. How will that radically change how we view and look at other people? Because if we're seeing that, if we're seeing areas that we can be thankful for, that we're prayerful for, and that we can even find joy in, you know what that begins to communicate? Man, God's at work. And if God's working in the life of the believer, then absolutely we can, we, can, we can work this thing out. That's an attitude of one who desires restoration. You say, well, Pastor, the issue isn't me. The issue is the other person. I have that attitude. I, I want to be thankful. I, it's hard to be thankful for their bad attitude. And it's hard to be joyful for their bad attitude. It's hard to be prayerful. No, it's not hard to be prayerful for their bad attitude, right? But that's the question we've been to look at is, I mean, it's the other person. This is where, once again, Tim was pretty helpful a couple weeks ago is for us to and look, where does, where, does, where does this conflict begin within me? It's for me to look at my sinful heart. What Jesus says, I mean, to take out the log out of mine before I can take out the speck in someone else's. And yes, we're still to take the speck out of the other person, but we just first... Walk through our own hearts and lives and see if our attitudes are favorable for restoration. And then when our attitudes are favorable for restoration, then there's still even more hope. That you see now in the life of Philemon, there's a character of one who lives favorable of restoration. So Paul's able to be thankful for that and prayerful about that and joyful in the character of the person he's going to be engaging with. And so what are some of the characteristics then of a person whose lifestyle is favorable? So if you want to begin to look, what's the takeaway for me? We need to have right attitudes, right? Thankful, prayerful, joyful attitudes. And then what should be my character and your character that would begin to look at and say, hey, I think this is going to work. This is the attitude and this is the character then that would set the stage for us to have relationships that will be ones, ones that are fruitful, fertile ground for restoration and forgiveness. And that's what every church should be about. Restoring individuals and forgiving individuals. And so what is the character like? And we'll look at those briefly. And there's six. Number one, a person who loves the Lord. The very premise of 
God's call to us is that we would love him. And so Paul addresses that in verse 5 as he's telling him, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus. Because here's what Matthew 18 communicates to us. As an individual who's unwilling to be restored, an individual who's willing to turn from their sin, an individual who's willing to be repentant over areas where they have sin in their lives, the Bible concludes that a person who willing, is unwilling to repent of that sin and willing to stay engaged in practicing lawlessness or practicing sinful behavior and is unwilling to, to turn from that, repent of that, and turn to Christ speaks to a person that you can give no assurance that they're a believer. That's why he says that they're being like a tax collector or a Gentile, meaning they don't have a relationship with Christ. For us who are believers and we say we love Jesus, then our lifestyle should be one that's fruitful and fertile for restoration. And so it's a person who loves the Lord. Second characteristic, one who lives a life that's favorable of restoration. is not only a person who loves the Lord, but a person who loves the body of Christ. So once again in verse 5, because I, Paul's being thankful and joyful and prayerful because he, here's the love, your love, and the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus Christ and for all the saints. The body of Christ. I never understand the statement when somebody would say, man, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. That's foreign to the scriptures. I can worship Jesus on my boat. I can worship Jesus out on the lake. And I can go worship Jesus in a variety of other. Sure. I'm not saying you can't. I hope you. I mean, and that heavens declare the glory of the Lord. But the Bible also says, book of Hebrews, do not forsake the assembling of the saints. As it's become common for some. There's something spiritual here that takes place as we gather together on Sunday mornings here. And the wor- as we all worship together over the word. It's not about me. It's not about whoever that pastor is behind that sacred desk or podium. The reality is it's about the word of God. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we gather together, as we spend time in the word. Allow the word to speak to us and encourage us. It's not about that individual and himself, it's about what Christ is doing, that Christ be exalted in our midst and our gathering. And there's something that takes place that, that doesn't happen in other locations. So why the Bible says, preach the word. And even though there's other means by which you can learn and gather information, there's something here that the Bible demands that we do together. Right? You can listen to podcasts and simulcasts at a variety of other locations. But that's not the church. You can, you can study your Bible and you can pray and you can even give online from your safety and security and comfort of your own house. But that's not the church. There's something really messy in a good way for us gathered together and have to see all those. Which one of you guys were talking? I think it was, what was your name? All the way to back. The, yes. LJ. He was talking about your thorns, right? Something really good about getting pricked every now and then from a thorny person. Right? You think, no. Yes. That's what makes marriage so great and marriage so difficult, is it not? That's what makes parenting so amazing and parenting so frustrating all at the same time. So exasperating. But yet, you didn't begin to see the grace of God. And that's why when you begin to look at the Bible as a whole, James chapter 5, verse 16, we always quote the last part, right? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Oh, what a marvelous verse. And we need to quote it. You know that's part B of that verse? 
Confess your trespasses one to another that you may be healed. For the effectual, effective, perfect prayer of a righteous man avails. Confess your trespasses one to another. You can't do that. Your house by yourself. It's safe, but no different than Onesimus running away. Or just hiding. We're going from this church to this church to this church to this church. And we're just hiding. Something very beautiful about just exposing ourselves. And you know what it is? We test tangibly the forgiveness of God spiritually when another person can look at us with our flaws and we know they're not God and we find forgiveness from them. That's the Bible. Here I am with all my warts and you forgive me. Shows that our Heavenly Father has forgiven us. Demonstrates it. And that's what Tim and I this church is calling out for in our community because that's not what most churches are becoming. Entertain us, please us, give us a break from, from our demands and our responsibilities as a husband, as a couple, as parents. I just want to be freed from the demands that's laid upon us. And that's not what we find in the scripture. Come with all your demands, all the warts, all the frustrations that you would love the Lord and you would love the body of Christ. Number three, character of one who loves lives favorable, favorable of restoration is one who also is actively serving the Lord. They don't love the Lord, they don't love the body of Christ, they're not serving the body of Christ, man, you're probably going to have real difficulty, even though they profess to be a believer, that you're going to find restoration with them because they're probably pre- predominantly self-centered and self-sufficient. How do we see that? There's a variety of locations here in the, the text, but if you go all the way back, where was, where was the church meeting? In his house, Philemon's house. And you continue on in verse 7. For I have derived much joy and comfort from you and your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. It's an individual who loves serving the body of Christ. Is that an attitude, a characteristic you have in your, your heart? You love serving the body of Christ. Even when there's nothing that you can benefit from it. Not that there isn't, but the motivation isn't from just narcissistically, self-centeredly wanting to serve to see what you can get out of it. That's where the Pharisees were, right? Choose the best seats. The richest people can sit in those nicer of the seats. Why? Because it made them look good. Serve when there's nothing that you can benefit from. And there's no self-serving motive behind it. Number four, character of one who lives favorably of restoration is a person who desires to live in fellowship with the body of Christ. In fellowship. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Okay, pastor, it looks like he's saying that you would share uh, in one way, it looks like it could be shown here is I pray that the sharing of your faith, meaning the sharing of the gospel, may be effective. So what you, here's what he's saying is, I hope when you go out and share the gospel with people, share your faith with people, they would get saved, and it would be fruitful, and it would be effective. Because why? Because the knowledge for, for them to be saved. It's not the p- picture here. This word sharing is the word um, uh, of fellowship within the body of Christ. Sharing in the sense of we're sharing life together, sharing our faith together side by side, knowing it's messy, knowing it's difficult, knowing it can be awesome and encouraging, but difficult and, and uh, rewarding all at the same time. And he says, that's what, as I'm seeing you do this, as I'm seeing you love Christ and love the body of Christ, I mean, my prayer for you is that you would continue to share this life together. Because why? He's about to ask him, share that same faith with the slave. Who the culture says isn't on the same uh, uh, standard of living that you are. Social standing, economic standing, cultural standing. And make sure you're sharing this faith 
with this now new believer in Onesimus. I mean, you would treat him like you would treat everyone else. Just be fruitful and be effective. So it's a person who's actively, uh, who lives in fellowship with the body of Christ. That would be effective in our time together. That you are living in koinonia, fellowship with the body of Christ. Number five, character of one who lives favorably for restoration would be a person who genuinely seeks the glory of God. See that in verse six as well. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So why would we do hard things? Why would Paul send Onesimus back and Onesimus go gladly or at least willingly to go back and address these issues? Because it's not about his comfort. It's not about his convenience. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ and his will and plan for our lives. Do we live for the glory of God even when God asks us to do difficult things? And then lastly, this character you and I should exhibit would make us live a life that's favorable for restoration, favorable for reconciliation, favorable for fellowship, for forgiveness. This person who loves the Lord, loves the body of Christ, actively serving the body, serving the Lord, who desires to live in fellowship with the body of Christ, who generally seeks the glory of God, and last is a person who desires to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Let me show you in the text and ask a few questions. Verse 7. Paul is once again speaking about his joy that he sees in, in Philemon. He says, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Should you or I come this morning to be a blessing? It wasn't about us. It wasn't about musical styles or Preach word, how long the sermon was, how not long, what people did for you. I came to serve, not to be served. And just like in our marriages and in our homes, the church is not going to be any different. If your home isn't being led where you're trying to serve, be a blessing to your home, it's only one-sided. You're a black hole and it sucks up everything that comes into it because narcissistically, self-centered is all about us. Then guess what? It's not going to go well for you. Paul, I mean, John writes in the... It's the epistles to the church. First John, he says that ultimately we find great joy that our, that our desires for you to be able to know Christ, that our fellowship with you and with him may be full. Not just about my relationship with him vertically, but that relationship with him moves out to other, like, other areas and other locations, other people. And so I find joy that when you find joy in Christ. Paul says, I, have, I mean, John says, I have no greater, true, no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. That's the goal. It's, it's not a burden to be a pastor. But I can tell you the singular mindset other than the glory of Christ, when I show up each and every Sunday, it's this above all. Under the body, Christ being exalted. Above all, to be a blessing. I want to serve, not to be served. I want to serve others. And that should be the goal for us. And when we come in with that mindset, the attitude's thankful and prayerful and joyful and the characteristics are there that we love the Lord, the body, and we're serving and we're in fellowship and we're for the glory of God and we're coming to be a blessing. I'm just telling you, the world does not know what to do with that. It doesn't know what to do with it. Even still, even in the midst when we are calling out and confronting sin, the world still doesn't know what to do with that.
so the goal for us. We just examine ourselves and we move into a time of invitation is this. Do you have that attitude that Paul had for restoration and forgiveness? And you say, I, I, I want to. But I'm not sure. But then look at the characteristics. What characteristics that are in there that are listed here? Just an intro. This is just the intro. And you've got to the meat, the good stuff about how this is going to play out in a culture that embraces slavery. How Paul chooses to address this with tremendous wisdom. How do we begin to, this to play out practically and tangibly? Before we even get to any of that, the reality is, that's your attitude. And what about your character? Does your character match your supposed attitude? And when those are coupled together, here's what the Bible says. By this, all will know that you're my disciples. How you love one another. So our invitation is this. It's not going to be a call to come forward invitation. I'll be available in the pastor reception. Pastor Tim will be joining me in the pastor reception. After he gives the closing announcements. And the goal is, you're more than welcome for you to respond at that time for desires for baptism, church membership, and a variety of other things as you meet us in there. But right now, it's time for you to respond to Christ. And to begin to ask God, God, how's my attitude? Any broken relationships that need to be mended? In this body of Christ, any broken relationships to other churches? We've left. And we thought time would pass and the time it would get easier. Time it would go away. And it's not. It's still there. You've landed here because you were hiding from some other place, some other situation. And then God's got you here to be able to expose that. And I, just being, as reading the text as an Apostle Paul in your life, to be able to say, you're an Onesimus and you need to go back and restore with your Philemon. So I implore you to repent of that lack of forgiveness and that God would change us, change you. And then if, so is that our attitude? And then second, if that's not our attitude, is our character? If it is our attitude, what about characteristics? Is there anything lacking here we've seen in the life of Philemon that's not in your life? And if so, I'd encourage you to take time in just a moment to pray through that. So let me, just for the next couple minutes, ask you to respond in those two means. How's your attitude? How's your character? And then I would encourage you, after the service is over, whether it's a family member, a friend, a mentor, spiritual mentor, I would encourage you to call them and ask them to hold you accountable to whatever God's shown you in your heart that you need to do to get right with Him and to get right with others. And then go to your Philemon, or go, if you're Philemon, be proactive toward your Onesimus who's hurt you and desire to restore those relationships. Let's take just a moment to pray, and then I'll close this out in our time of invitation with a word of prayer. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.